Buckholz, and you are listening to Looking Up with Don. This is the Looking Up with Don podcast, episode number 81 for the week of July 21st, 2021. The related website for this podcast is donmacholtz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z.com, two H's. What's up in the sky this week? As our week begins on Wednesday, July 21st, the moon is big and bright in our evening sky in the southern hemisphere, which is where it likes to go in the summer. By the end of our week, Tuesday, July 27th, the moon will be past full phase and about 85% full in the morning sky. By next Tuesday, the moon will be rising about an hour after the end of evening astronomical twilight. Over the next week, the moon reaches full phase. That's on Friday, July 24th, at 0236 Universal Time, which for some of you is late in the evening on Thursday, July 23rd. At that time, the moon will be south of Saturn. Over the following few nights, the moon will pass directly south of both Saturn and Jupiter. That bright thing in the western sky after sunset is the planet Venus. It passes 1.1 degrees north of the star Regulus on Wednesday, July 21st. That creates a good view in binoculars or a wide-field telescope. About a week later, on Thursday, July 29th, the planet Mars passes 0.7 degrees north of Regulus. The southern Delta Aquariid meteor shower is occurring during the next few weeks. Actually, it runs from mid-July through mid-August. It generally peaks on July 28th or 29th. The radiant is in the constellation Aquarius in the southern morning sky. Unfortunately, the moon will be passing through that part of the sky on July 26th and 27th and the moon will be bright, about 90% full. Normally, about 15 meteors per hour are visible, but the moon will reduce that number. What to do? One option is to watch the shower on July 20th and 21st after the moon sets, or you can wait until July 29th and 30th and later and watch the shower after the radiant rises which is shortly after evening twilight. Then, as the moon rises, the session ends. The moonrise will be about 40 to 60 minutes later each night. The Southern Delta Aquarius, or SDA for short, is believed to be caused by material from comet 96P Machholz. That is a comet that I discovered on May 12, 1986, from Loma Prieta in the Santa Cruz mountain range between San Jose and Santa Cruz, California. 
it is one of the most interesting comets ever discovered, orbiting the sun every 5.3 years, getting eight times closer to the sun than we are, occasionally fragmenting and responsible for at least three major meteor showers, two comet groups, and an asteroid. The whole thing is now called the Machholz Complex. Yes, that's a real thing, the Machholz Complex. How often, never, do you hear someone on their podcast say, go out and see this meteor shower, it's caused by particles from a comet that I discovered? Never. In 2012, the comet came to perihelium, its closest point to the sun, on July 14th. That's July 14th, 2012. Beginning about a week later, the comet was visible in our evening sky about magnitude 9 or 10. One evening, I observed the comet, and a few hours later watched a southern Delta Aquarian meteor streak across the sky. Same night, both the comet and the meteor. The comets visible in moderate telescopes for only a few weeks around perihelium every 5.3 years. So when will this opportunity present itself again? The comet and the meteor shower are visible at about the same time. Well, in the year 2033, the comet will be at perihelium on August 16th. So if one observed the comet before perihelium, they might be able to see some SDA meteors the same night in 2033. The next opportunity is in the year 2070, when the comet will be at perihelion on, once again, July 14th, just as it was in 2012. 58 years later, 11 orbits, 5.27 years average for an orbit. So in 2070, 49 years from now, one would be able to seize the comet and the resultant meteors on the same night. I'll talk about it on the podcast in 2070. That would be podcast episode about 2530. Wait for it. Will you be able to see the International Space Station this week, which for our purposes begins on Wednesday, July 21st through Tuesday, July 27th? This week, we have five zones. All you need to know is your latitude. North of 63 degrees north latitude, you will not see the International Space Station at all this week. From 32 to 63 degrees north, and that's many of you. You will see it in your evening sky for at least part of the week. And many of you will also be able to see it in your morning sky. On some nights, you might be able to see it three times. From 22 degrees south to 32 degrees north, you won't see it at all this week. Further south, from 36 to 22 degrees south, the ISS will be in your morning sky for at least part of the week. South of 36 degrees south, all the way down to 55 degrees south, the tip of South America, the ISS will be in your morning sky all week, sometimes twice per night.
to determine where it will be in your sky, go to the website heavens-above.com and enter your location, then click on ISS. Periodic Comet 15P Finlay is in our morning sky, but so is the moon. When the moon clears out of the morning sky in a couple weeks, we'll be turning our attention to periodic comet 4P Fay. Now for the astral class. This week it's all about double stars. Also known as multiple star systems, that's more than one star. Often two stars, or maybe three or four or more. It has been said that about half of the stars in the galaxy are in multiple star systems. So if you have 10 stars, for instance, uh, five would be in a multiple star system. So perhaps one two-star system and one three-star system. For the amateur astronomer, the joy is in seeing two stars close together. I don't understand exactly why, But among the things we enjoy while peering through a telescope, like Saturn, the Moon, and Jupiter, two stars very close together gets our interest. Having said that, many amateur astronomers look at double stars when they first get into astronomy, then leave them behind as they move on to other things. That is understandable. Been been there, done that. That means that most amateur astronomers are familiar with some of the double and multiple star systems. In our public star parties, we would always show double stars. People love looking at them. This week, we will be observing some of those same double stars. In a double star system, the stars go around each other. Actually, they revolve around a common center of gravity. This is usually a point between the stars, depending upon the mass of each star and the distance between them. These distances are large. You could fit several of our solar systems between them. That is, the sun at the center and the orbit of Neptune forming a big circle around it, A few of these could fit between two stars of many double star systems. That also means the orbital period is long, several hundred years typically. Now maybe that is why some of the public is disappointed when seeing a double star through a telescope. They expected to see them going around each other like a merry-go-round. The distance between the stars, as seen from the Earth, is measured with an angle in arc seconds or arc minutes. One degree is 60 arc minutes. The moon, as seen from the Earth, is half that, about 30 arc minutes. Each arc minute has 60 arc seconds. Now for a little math. A popular formula for the resolving power of a telescope is called the Dawes Limit, D-A-W-E-S Limit. It follows the principle that the larger the aperture, the telescope mirror or lens, the better the resolution 
the better it is at separating a double star into its two components. I learned this when I was young, and it's a good number to know. 4.56. Take the number 4.56 and divide it by the aperture in inches, and that's the resolution of your telescope in arc seconds. If you have a 2-inch telescope, then that is 4.56 divided by 2 for 2.28. You can split stars that are only 2.28 arc seconds apart. If you have a 10-inch telescope, then that is 4.56 divided by 10 for 0.456 arc seconds. For metric users, that number is 11.6. 11.6 divided by the aperture in centimeters. Reaching this limit requires several factors. First, splitting a double star means that it appears elongated, enough so that you can say there are two stars there. To reach this limit, you need good optics and culminated optics, and medium to high magnification. You also need a steady atmosphere. The stars must be about the same brightness as each other and a few magnitudes brighter than the limit of your telescope. The atmosphere must be steady. And your eyes? This assumes average eyes. On good nights, you can exceed Dawes' limit. On bad nights, or with a bad telescope, or poor eyesight, you'll never reach it. This week, or sometime in the not-too-distant future, Get out there and look at the following five double star systems. They are identified on Podcast 81, Map 3, Double Stars. We begin with Alcar Mizar. This double star is the middle star in the handle of the Big Dipper. With the unaided eye, you might be able to split this star into two. Mizar is the brighter of the two and, and shines at magnitude 2.25. Elkar, the fainter one, is magnitude 3.99, and it sits 12 arc minutes away. Now, this is more than one-third the size of the moon, so it should be easy to split with the unaided eye. A problem might arise with the fact that one star is several times brighter than the other. In reality, there's 1.1 light-years between these two stars, and they're about 85 light-years from us. The nickname for this star system is the Horse and Rider. Now, look very closely at the brighter star. You will see a companion very close to it. While Mizar is magnitude 2.25, its companion is magnitude 4.0, the same as Alcar. But this companion is only 14.4 arc seconds away from Mizar, 50 times closer than is Alcar. 14.4 seconds. It can be split by a telescope of less than an inch if you have enough magnification. 
Try 50 to 100 power for this one. Mizar and this close companion is a true double. One goes around the other. It is not yet known if Mizar and Alcar are a true double star system or merely two stars in chance alignment of each other. Before we leave these stars, look carefully at the colors. White or blue-white, right? Our second double star of the night is south of the handle of the Big Dipper. Again, all of these double stars are plotted on Podcast 81, Map 3. This star is called Cor Corii. This double star, 115 light years away, and eight solar systems can fit between these stars. They orbit each other every 7,900 years. Look at the colors of this one. The brighter star appears blue-white and shines at magnitude 2.9, while the fainter companion, magnitude 5.6, much fainter, is some 19 arc seconds away. Now we come to one of the most colorful double stars in the entire sky. I'm talking about the star Alberio at the south end of the constellation Cygnus. The brighter star is magnitude 3.1 and yellow in color. Its companion is magnitude 5.1 and 34 arc seconds away from the primary. It is blue-white in color. So we have what is sometimes referred to as the Cub Scout star, as the Cub Scout colors are yellow and blue. The system is about 430 light years away. Now let's turn south for a double star in which the two stars are very dissimilar in brightness. It is a star Beta Scorpii in the constellation Scorpius. It's 400 light years away from us. These stars are magnitude 2.6 and 4.9. They're 13.6 arc seconds apart. Both stars are hot and should appear blue-white in color. But the fainter star seems tucked away next to the brighter one. People would say that this one looks neat when they looked at it through my telescope. The most difficult double star is our last one for the night, Epsilon Lyra. It is not far from the bright star Vega. Epsilon Lyra is 162 light years from us, and it consists of four stars. It is known as the Double Double. Sounds like something you would order at In-N-Out Burger. Two sets of stars. Each pair is separated from each other by 3.5 arc minutes. That's 208 arc seconds. And these stars are faint, but some people can split the pair with the unaided eye. Binoculars will help. Now, turn a telescope to them. Magnitudes of these four stars range from 5.0 to 6.1. A telescope at 100 power will easily split the wide pair, but now look at each of the two stars. 
At least a 6-inch, 15-centimeter scope should be used for this next step at perhaps 200 power. Each of the two stars consists of a second star, two pairs of two. These distances are 2.3 and 2.6 arc seconds apart. At public star parties, we put our best telescope on this one, and we cranked the magnification up to 200 or even 300. People could see all four stars with ease. We have just seen five of the best double stars in the summer sky. There's many more, and I suggest you spend an occasional night seeking them. Next week, I will discuss open star clusters and star asterisms. To recap the podcast, what's up this coming week in the evening sky, the bright star Regulus is visited by Venus on July 21st and Mars on July 29th. The southern delta Aquarius peaked this week with moon interference. Get out and see some double stars. And before you put your telescope away, take a look at Jupiter and Saturn. You have been listening to Looking Up with Don, podcast episode number 81 for July 21st, 2021. I'm Don Mockholtz. Once again, the related website for this podcast is donmockholtz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z.com. Two H's. You can contact me at donTheAstronomer at gmail.com. Once again, donTheAstronomer at gmail.com. God willing and pod willing, I'll be back next week for another episode of Looking Up with Don. We'll discuss what's up in the sky. I'll talk about open star clusters and star asterisms, including some notes about a project I'm currently working on. And we'll look at some things in the evening sky. Probably open clusters, don't you think? All that and more. Thank you for listening. See the sky this week. I'll see you next week.